Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 316th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins. And a hop, skip, and a jump across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, boys? It's great to be here. Great to be back in week one action. I know we did our previews and everything. We didn't really preview the week zero games too, too much, but... Man, it, it we're we're in season mode. We're 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 about to start kicking some, you know what? And uh, I'm 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 ready to get after it, man. And it's uh, it's exciting. Well, we can't get after it without the third amigo in the second city, a man who gets more excited for special teams than he does for any other part of the game. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. The Iowa preview went live today. It was. Uh... About fourteen pages, honest to God, in my draft. It's it's a long one. So Josh, when are you doing believe in Iowa? Like this is way overdue. <laughs> I mean it I would mean, I mean uh, Josh, Josh could go Josh could just <laughs> literally pull a cowherd and go three hours solo on Iowa every day. He really could and Coward and, already and does that. Different. Coward already does that for Iowa when we get in the top ten and he wants to bitch and moan about it. Yeah, well, it's uh <laughs> no surprise there. Um yeah. But no matter who your team is, you can uh, take uh, a little wager on them over there at our presenting sponsor over at betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. With college football officially here, NFL just around the corner, MLB pennant races in full swing, there is no better place to be online than betonline.ag. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. Gents, we are now into uh, the regular season. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to, we, Josh, we want to thank you for your service for uh, taking us through all of our previews. Uh, I have to take the reins back now that we're in the regular season for better or for worse, probably for worse, but guess what? Deal with it. It's the way we're doing things. Um, we're changing it up a little bit here this year uh, than uh, sort of how we've gone about things in the past because just trying to keep a little bit fresh. So uh, we'll have three segments today. Uh, first segment, uh, we're going to call it what, what did you learn? Basically, what is one thing that you learned uh, from watching week zero games. I will go first. Uh, I learned, or I guess I was reminded, I should say, that USC still has no defense. And because USC <laughs> is still employing Alex Grinch, they will not be able to make it to the college football playoff. Uh, even, you know, I've been singing the praises of San Jose State's Chavin Cordero for a long time. Even then, like, you shouldn't see San Jose State put up 400 total yards and 28 points on USC in the Coliseum. I know pretty much no one saw that because it was on Pac-12 Network, which is only available if you get about two different cable subscribers. So, uh, you know, maybe m- most people didn't get to see it with their own eyes. It, yeah, I unfortunately did see a little bit of it with my own eyes, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, it's the same old, same old from what we have come to expect from USC, from Lincoln O'Reilly, from Alex Grinch. And I thought... You know, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything great or world beating, but what I saw was even more disappointing 
than I had anticipated. I thought, you know, Bear Alexander might assert himself more, didn't. And it's going to come back to bite them in the butt. Because when you look at a them versus a team like a Utah, who are, we are watching here on a Thursday night as we record, their defense isn't making stupid mistakes. Their defense isn't, you know, being caught out of position uh, way more often than they should be. They the are bottled, they're bottling up a Florida team that while they do have issues, um, they still have infinitely more talent than a, than a San Jose state does. So I uh, would say that what I learned in week one is that I still don't have to take USC seriously, Josh, or what did you l- learn in week zero? Well, Matt, to piggyback on that real quick before Josh goes, uh, we I have nicknamed USC's defense the Charmin Ultra Soft. <laughs> and they went out in the offseason, and you know the Charmin commercials with the Bears? Mm-hmm. They got the lead mascot with Bear Alexander. Yeah. He's the Charmin Bear, Yeah, apparently, uh, out apparently. there. It makes no made no difference. So um, hope he's enjoying that, um, all his non-NIL stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Josh. All right. Yeah, that's uh feels like a right uh, right thing for USC. The softer Charmins are like that. Um yeah, so what did I learn? Well, I learned two things. Um the, the first is just a small little appetizer. Um UTEP lost their game very interestingly. Uh Dana Dimmel is uh kind of coaching for his life, and uh when it's like two minutes left of the fourth quarter and you're down three and you're in field goal territory uh, and it's third and one, maybe you don't call back to back passes with the second one being incomplete. And then you lose the game. Probably not, not the best way to go about things. Uh, The other thing I learned is the Massachusetts Minutemen might, uh, might get out of the cellar for being the worst team in all of football, they they went to Las Cruces. They beat a New Mexico State team we were all pretty high on who went bowling last year. Uh, th- their defense gave up a ton of yards, but they had three takeaways, including a pick six. And uh, UMass's dual threat quarterback, Tyson, I hope I get this right, Tyson uh, Pomamachan. It's uh, P-H-O-M-M-A-C-H-A-N-H, uh, an early just tongue twister here in week one. But so I, I hope I got this young man's name, right. But he had 192 passing yards, 96 rushing yards to lead the minute man. Huge win. So those are the things that I learned. Corey, I think he used to be on Clemson. Who? Uh, Tyson Fulman. I, I, I always want to call him Tyson, Fer- Tyson Farrell Monch, but oh, um, the guy that I called uh, Pocahontas. Yes, exactly. Him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because like it, it started with a P and had like a lot. Like you, of, would, you would you would yeah you would you would instantly win a Scrabble game. Wait, if proper nouns were allowed, yes. Unfortunately, uh, coach, <laughs> what did you learn in week zero? Well, um, I learned that um, I learned that Hawaii might actually be okay. They're exciting to watch. They they put up some points on Vandy uh, in in week zero. The a game that. Matt, you and I almost went to. Tried but to go to. Mother Nature said, "Yeah, we tried to. We almost did. And tried to." And Mother Nature said, "Nah." 
uh, and I guess we just didn't want to wait around. But well, we uh, didn't want to wait around an extra hour and a half after the game uh, <clears throat> outside. So, uh, Coach and I. Oh, uh, I assumed you stayed the whole thing. No, uh, full disclosure, Coach and I left and went to the pub and en- enjoyed the game over wings and beers. <laughs> what? And, yes. Yep. Yeah. What? So I'm a I big thought, fan. Of, I thought of, you were going to brave it out. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to be like the Washington State fan with the bag of popcorn. No. Just eating it. Nope. No, no, not us. Um, <laughs> nope. The uh, the bulldozer will have to wait another week for us. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I will um, be there this weekend against Alabama A and M. Uh, against oh, Vanderbilt, go. so that'll be that'll be an interesting mm. one. But coach, yeah, you're gonna yes, be you're gonna Hawaii. be an here. So, so coach, um, Hawaii. yeah, Hawaii. Yes, um, they're fun to watch. Their offense is fun to watch under Timmy Chang. Um, they did a lot of great things, moving the ball, uh, a lot of creativity, a lot of a lot of things that they've lacked over the last few years. And it's Timmy Chang's kind of spin on the on the run and shoot. And so it, it's the, the future is. The, the arrow is pointing up. I, I don't know if the, immediately if that's going to do anything. We'll see uh, this week against Stanford, who also has a uh, has a new coach and a, kind of a new way of doing business. So that'll be a fun game to watch as well, week one. So, yeah, Hawaii they might they might actually make a little bit of noise in the Mountain West. They might. I mean, their quarterback uh, Shager had a nice game for himself, 350 mm-hmm. yards and three touchdowns, a couple turnovers as well. But um, all right. So that is what we yeah, learned in week zero. Let's move ahead to week one. And it's Thursday night as we're recording this. So gentlemen, what I'm going to do is give you uh, one game that I am keyed in on for each time slot uh, over the weekend, Friday night, Saturday, early, middle of the day, late Sunday and Monday uh, with a question. And we will go from there uh friday uh september 1st a uh, couple Check interesting that. games on the <laughs> schedule nothing fantastic the battle of miami uh, is taking place between miami and miami the confusion bowl miami gardens um but neither team named miami ha- plays in a their colleges aren't in towns named miami Nonetheless, it doesn't really matter. Um, that's not the game I'm interested in. Oxford's is- right in the homeland of the Miami tribe. Yeah, well, it's Miami just, is the yes, real. I'm Miami. well aware, but it, they still play in <laughs> Oxford. Uh, Miami's in a suburb of Miami. Coral Coral Gables is a suburb of Miami, but yes, I believe it's uh, Coral Gables. Coral Gables. Um, no, I <laughs> the game I'm interested in though is Louisville and Georgia Tech, and that is because we have two new head coaches. Uh, Georgia Tech's Brent Key takes over full time after filling in admirably for uh, the fired uh, Jeff with two Geoff Collins. Um, is he and, still wearing capris? Uh, I Probably. saw Jeff at a. I saw Jeff two weeks ago actually, um, and he was and? not wearing capris at the time. The, By the uh, you hanging out with him? Yes, I am positive. I saw his all the everything that were you he was were you capri shopping with. <laughs> you like were you like you and him picking out matching capris or something or like we all like filling at sam no we went to boot barn it, it was buy one get two free coach uh, we, we, we were down you know, to the Broadway. boots um yeah because the boots cover up the capris you can't tell the capris yeah. anymore because the boots go high enough that they cover yeah. it up um these, these two poor florida fans are walking through the utah student section by the way just so you know well, we've got coaches yes. in Jeff Brom and They're looking for a quarterback. Brent Key at new at at uh 
at these two ACC schools. Um, I'm not as worried about this game. We can talk about this game a little bit, but Josh, my question for you though, here, two new coaches, what does success look like for each of these teams, uh, both in this game and this weekend and this season, I should say. All right. So starting with Georgia tech, they have these games that I have as complete locks, South Carolina state, Boston college and Virginia. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, Bowling Green, they would also be favored in, although Bowling Green is kind of a frisky Mac team. So let's be generous. Better for the doubt, we'll say that there's four absolute wins on this schedule. That means to get a bowl, they just need to find two more wins with at Ole Miss, probably not happening, at Miami, probably not happening, North Carolina, probably not happening, at Clemson, probably not happening, Syracuse, Definitely possible. And then Georgia, probably not happening. Um, So for Georgia Tech, if they can knock off Louisville here at opening week, they have a really good chance at a bowl. Even if they lose this, they still have an outside chance at a bowl. But I I think success would be, even if they go five and seven, being competitive, which is something they really struggled with under Jeff Collins. They had a lot of just like three, four touchdown blowouts. Game wasn't even competitive. So I'm looking at that puncher's chance, though, for a bowl, I think, for the Yellow Jackets. For Louisville, I'm much more bullish on. We talked about it in their preview. They were a good team last year. They just seem very disorganized in their losses because none of us are too high on Satterfield as their coach. So running through Louisville, they have these as locks for me. Murray State, Boston College, Virginia Tech, and Virginia and they should also probably take care of business against Indiana. So we'll say five, which means for Louisville to get to a bowl game, they just need to pick up a, a win, just one win against either NC State, Notre Dame, Pitt, Miami, or Kentucky. I do not think they're going 0 for 5 in those games. They're winning at least one of them. Uh, and then factor in the Georgia Tech game. So I think a lock is uh, bowl is pretty much a lock for Louisville. What I'm looking for is what I expected in the preview. Can they be a dark horse? Can they sniff around that upper cut of the ACC? We're we're expecting a quite bit of a drop between Florida State and Clemson down to third. But can Louisville be the team that rises up and surprises everyone? and gets third. So uh, to go back to your question, what does success look like? I'm expecting Louisville to be pretty solid, and I'm expecting Tech to be a little frisky. That's what success looks like to me. All right, Coach, I'll finish up our our conversation here. Let's talk about this game specifically. What what are the new things we're going to see out of the Georgia Tech offense? We've seen a lot. uh, We know what Jeff Brom's offense looks like. Even, you know, he's gotten one of his old – quarterbacks one of his former Purdue quarterbacks with him we know what that offense Aiden O'Connell? Like. <laughs> he, he wished O'Connell, his, yeah. listen Aiden O'Connell's been lighting it up for the Raiders in the preseason. <laughs> know, right? no but uh with Jack Plummer the Cal transfer but coach what are we going to see out of this new uh offense at Georgia Tech well what you're going to see is well first thing you're going to see is what you haven't seen since Jeff Collins took over and that's an actual scheme, okay? So that's <laughs> that's first and foremost, right? You're going to see it. Yeah, that helps. You're going to see an offense that has an actual plan of attack. Uh, you're going to probably see more screens, more quick game, more like tempo spread, stuff like that. 
Um, Haynes King is the is the quarterback now, starting quarterback for uh, Georgia Tech, transfer from Texas A and M. Um, came in spring. I thought he was I thought he was going to be third stringer or or second string coming out of the spring game when I watched and I, I thought it was going to be uh, Pyron Zach Pyron, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it is uh, it ended up being Haynes King and just the ability to command the offense and, and get the ball down the field, um, take vertical shots when they're presented, um, use the, uh, use the quick game as an extension of the run game. And then of course, uh, RPO stuff uh, off of inside zone will be uh, something they look at pretty heavily too. So uh, they're going to be exciting though. They're going to score a lot of points. They've got some, they've got some athletes. They've got some guys that, that have transferred in and some, some recruits and some guys that probably were underdeveloped uh, last year and they're going to get more out of those guys this year because again they have an actual scheme and they actually kind of know what the heck they're doing mm-hmm. i mean it might take a minute but georgia tech always has the potential to be a sleeping giant because they're in atlanta because they have you know a, a, some football tradition at least now it's been you know uh pretty heavily eroded uh, in, in the past decade or so, but there's still some tradition under there for the rambling wreck. Let's move ahead yeah. in the day uh, to, uh, or I should say, let, let's move ahead to Saturday morning. And Saturday morning, uh, there's a couple interesting games out there. Almost chose the Fresno State Purdue game as my marquee Ooh. matchup here. In I got the, Fresno winning that in this early matchup. It, it's that's going to be a good, good game. Um, if you are looking for, um, you know, uh, Josh, I'm sure you'll talk about Utah State, Iowa later, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, just to see what Virginia is like in the wake of uh, they're canceling the last two games of last season in the wake of the tragedy. Uh, that was the triple homicide that occurred um, to three players on their program. But the entire eyes of the college football world will be in Amon G. Carter Stadium, Fort Worth, Texas. TCU hosting Colorado TC for in, you know, two teams with very different and interesting stories coming in here. TCU obviously made the national title game last year, lost a ton of their key contributors on offense. That's almost an entirely new squad. They also have uh, a center who's listed at six, five, 455 pounds. <laughs> um, he is an absolute unit. But let's face it, we know why. Why doesn't he just simply eat the other players if he's the biggest guy? (laughs) It's hard to eat (laughs) another person with with that face mask on. It really is. Um, The bull ring gets in the way. But what's all about Coach Prime here? Coach Prime has has taken up all of the oxygen in the college football world for the past nine months. And it all starts here this weekend with the 70-plus players new players in the car more than that 80 plus new players in the colorado program and i don't know and i don't think a lot of people know what to expect but that doesn't matter because coach i'm going to ask you um you know what to expect and do you think coach that it's more likely that we get a barn burner or a game where these offenses are out of sync because of lack of game experience uh, sometimes when both, both offenses are out of sync a little bit, sometimes you get a barn burner when you're not expecting it. Um, I, I think Shador Sanders is a veteran enough quarterback for Colorado that he can do some things uh, offensively. 
I'm not sure about what TCU has uh, offensively, but I, I think this is going to be a barn burner for a little bit. Then I think TCU's depth a little uh, where they have the advantage is going to kind of take over, and you're going to see it's going to be back and forth for a little while, and then TCU will, will probably run away with it. Yeah, I I'm picking TCU in this game. Um, you know, Chandler Morris. I think we've we've seen him play a little bit before. I think he's solid. I think that the I think that actually you're going to see a lot more run game from TCU this year. Um, they don't have a ton of proven receivers. They lost, you know, a lot of uh, of what they have, but they've got a nice one-two punch in Amani Bailey and Trey Sanders. And I think that they could do uh, they could do well to have a little bit of ground control. Josh, uh, do you have any thoughts here on the FBS debut of one Coach Prime? Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, I- I'm curious just what this Colorado team looks like, like everyone else. I, I think TCU is going to win it as well. But, you know, is Colorado going to look competent you know when you have this many new faces and uh you know coach prime's kind of the ceo type relies a lot on his assistants to to coordinate things and and whatnot um you know what what does that look like after one camp you know i i could see i could see like what coach said where where colorado's kind of frisky it's a back and forth game there till tcu wears them down I could also see Colorado just being a complete train wreck and this game being like 28 nothing in the second quarter and us going, oh, uh, yeah, I guess Colorado's going to be awful. Okay, there we go. Problem solved. That would not shock me in the least um, at none, all. None of this would shock me. Like if, <laughs> if Colorado came out and got their, got their ass handed to them um, or uh, – yeah. Or if and, they and I mean, came out in a barn burner. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, a, a lot of this, you know, a lot of this has to do with we thought Sonny Dykes did good work at Louisiana Tech. We thought he was, you know, was an effectively run program at Cal. Um, Cal has a lot of other stuff going on as a university that sort of handcuffed him. Um, yeah. And, you know, when he got hired by TCU, we're like, well, you know, his dad, Spike Dykes, Texas Tech, like this is a homecoming of sorts just to the state. You know, it's not tech, but it but it is the same state. And we thought like, oh, he will be a good coach for TCU. We didn't think they would go to the title game in year one. But I mean, like Sonny Dykes knows this job like he knows how to prepare a team. And for all of his raw, raw and, you know, if you want to be negative and say cult of personality, Prime hasn't had to be a, like, day-in, day-out coach. What he did at Jackson State, like, has been well-documented is he was the rah-rah guy. He helped lure incredibly talented players for the FCS ranks and then relied on his coordinators to put them in a position to succeed. And it worked fantastically at Jacksonville State. So, you know, if Colorado is going up against, like, you know, Kent State's one of the worst teams in the country, they're getting blown out right now, Colorado would look a lot differently. The whole storyline would be, like, look how good the Buffaloes are. But this is a tough matchup because TCU is effectively coached. 
Yes, they are. And, you know, coming into last year, I was someone who was very, uh, whatever the opposite of being on the Sunny Dykes train is. I was off the Sunny Dykes train, and he proved me very wrong on that. But you at least thought he was a competent coach, and he had had a track. I thought he was a competent coach, but I did not think he was one of the better hires, even in the Big 12, much less, you know, going as far as they did, making it to the national title game, etc. But still not winning the Big 12. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So that is the, uh, that's the early game. They won the regular season title. Yes, they won the regular season title. Good job. You don't get rings for regular season titles. Um, let's move to the mid-afternoon time slot. We had a couple other games here uh, that could... I, I was I contemplated for half a second with the UMass news last weekend to put the UMass-Auburn <laughs> game in here. Um, if the Minutemen could take down Frizas in his Auburn <laughs> debut, that would oh really God, that be something. But what, what, uh, if I decided, UMass, what if UMass never loses again? I mean Don Don Brown like, for Hall of Fame, like um, for the rest of our lives. Like you, it's like Dynasty. It's like Dynasty EA game. Like someone's doing a Dynasty with UMass and they never lose again. I mean, we're doing this show in five years and we're talking about UMass has won three hundred straight games. <laughs> I thought about Cal North Texas just because I think that's going to be a competitive game. But I ended up settling on uh, the game of the early afternoon being Boise State, Washington, Uh, Washington. You know, I have probably the highest hopes amongst any of us here about Washington. I've got them in the playoff Uh, playoff. I've got them. uh, I've I've got them as the Pac-12 winning the Pac-12 and uh, going to the playoff. But, you know, Josh, it's Boise State. Boise State's been a giant killer for, you know, more than two decades now. What do the Bronx need to do in order to pull off the upset against the high-flying Huskies? Yeah, so I think I think some people would be inclined to say, hey, Boise State's defense last year, 15th in the country, gave up under 20 points per game. But I actually think that's the wrong answer. I don't think anyone is slowing Washington down. I think a better answer is to look at Washington's two losses last year. Now, Washington's defense last season was okay 58th nationally 26 points per game they were okay but in their two losses they were just flat out bad so in their stunning upset to arizona state uh they gave up 400 yards toll sparky they could not get off the field arizona state was nine of 13 on third down which is just insane And then against UCLA, it was even worse. They gave up 499 yards to the Bruins. The the, the and also on third down, 10 of 14 for the Bruins. It it was insane. So what Boise is going to need to do is they're going to need to pop in the the laser disc of a certain bowl game against Oklahoma where they opened up the playbook and could match them score for score for score. And Boise State is going to have to just get lucky with this being a track race. They're going to have to just have insane efficiency on third down, like Arizona State and UCLA did. And they're going to have to find a way to outscore Washington, which feels like a John Madden quote, but but you know what I'm saying. Like, they need to find a way to just somehow get the ball at the end of the game and win this game – you know, something crazy like 
42 35 type thing that's yeah. to me the only path and coach and uh just uh piggybacking on what josh said there i think that one way that they can do that is to utilize the quarterback run game as well because yeah. they've got a true dual threat there and they do they should be able to get you know it, it, if they can use the quarterback run game and spread them out enough make them respect the pass enough that they can really use uh the dual threat ability to the maximum effect i think that is going to be the best way i mean he's going to have to be 400 total yards like you know oh, yeah, like sure. 300 sure. 100 you know that's how they're going to be successful all season long not just this week i mean he's going to have to be a true threat running the ball <clears throat> and not just uh he may pull it on a zone on the, on the backside of his own play. Like he's going to have to be dangerous. All right. Let's move then to uh Saturday night, uh, the Saturday night games. I got to say T U R D A Y. We don't have the rights for it. That is correct. We don't have the rights for it. Not the greatest slate of week one games. Uh, not going to lie guys, not, not just top to bottom, not the best slate of week one games. Well, they're saving them for Sunday night. Yeah, uh, that, that's when wait, Northwestern Rutgers are playing. Waiting all week for Sunday night. Um, UTSA Houston does intrigue me. It does intrigue me, but I think that you know MTSU Alabama. Hey, you never know. Uh, I almost went with West Virginia Penn State, but West Virginia is you know this is a a, a slow death march for Neil Brown. It's really going to come down to uh, North Carolina South Carolina the battle for the Carolinas. I think, you know, you you coming into this game, North Carolina is the ranked team. South Carolina is unranked, but it's pretty much a a coin toss. There is as usual, way too much exuberance around the South Carolina program going into the season. Uh, Coach. Now, one of the things that worries me about both of these teams are their defenses in general. I mean, I'm always worried about South Carolina's offensive line. South Carolina usually has a couple standouts, one or two standouts on the defensive side of the ball, but never as a unit. I don't think either of these teams it really has much in the way of a defense. So my question to you is, which of these two uh, mediocre defenses is most likely to slow the other team down? Uh, I think when you look at the way the teams are built, the depth that these teams have, I think South Carolina – by the slimmest of margins, is a little bit better up front on the offensive side of the ball. So I think I think South Carolina can be with scheme and duct tape and bubble gum can be a little bit more <laughs> disruptive than North Carolina can be. So to me, I think when you look at the way South Carolina is built, that's that's what they do. They disrupt you uh, scheme wise. Again, like I said. Um, just look at how they got after Tennessee. Like they had no business doing what they did to Tennessee and they made, well, I mean, they knocked him out of the game, but before that they made it, they made things very difficult for Hendon Hooker. And we would consider that a very, very strong elite offense. And so they're going to come after Drake may. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's going to be like, this is probably the, some of the heaviest blitz that he's going to see all year long. It's really interesting. There's a lot of storylines in this game that I'm very interested in uh, on the South Carolina side as well. I'm interested to see what they do with Nichols Harbor, 
how much he plays the five-star true freshman who is one of the freakiest freak athletes that we've some seen coming to college football in a long time. I mean, this is a kid at six, five, 230 pounds is running 10, one in the hundred, like, I mean, world-class speed at that size. I don't even know how he's going to be used. Is he going to be an edge rusher? Is he going to be a tight end? I, I'm just curious to see what they do there. Spencer Rattler is, you know, was the end of last season aberration. Uh, but <laughs> on the other side of the ball, though, what is North Carolina without Phil Longo? And we've seen Phil Longo come in with uh, four years there under Max struggle. Brown. He's, you know, he's <clears throat> absolutely the world on fire between Sam Howell and Drake May. What does that offense look like without, you know, without without him around and who turns into North Carolina's number one receiver they lost Josh Downs who was uh, their all-world everything receiver from last year operating out of the slot it is I still think there's a lot of questions and it would not surprise me at all to see Drake May's productivity go down like 10 to 15 percent this year Mm -hmm. oh for sure like just 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 in general yeah Mm -hmm. So um not going to talk about any of the uh, of the late late games on uh on Saturday night. I don't think there's anything too interesting but Sunday uh we're here to talk about Northwestern, Northwestern Rutgers. Rutgers. No, um sorry guys. We're here to talk about <laughs> LSU Florida State the marquee matchup of the weekend. It is one of the best non-conference games in the entire country this season. It's a kickoff game again like it was last year Florida State won uh a very dramatic game, very dramatic game last year uh, in uh, in the uh, I believe it was in New Orleans in the in the New Orleans Superdome. Uh, this year, uh, that game is uh, that game takes place at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, effectively a home game for Florida State. Uh, LSU is without their top tailback as well. I think all of the eyes of the college football world after they take their eye off of coach prime uh, down in TCU <laughs> will be here. LSU, Florida state. Uh, it is going to be a good one, but Josh, like I said, both these teams, big expectations this season, which of them is more likely to let their fans down? Well, the answer is LSU for two reasons. Uh, the Special first teams. reason. Yeah. <laughs> the first reason has to actually do with, Florida State fans are still getting over Willie Taggartitis. They know that this rebuild is not going to happen instantaneously. Skulking around some of their message boards and, and reading stuff about the team, they are cautiously optimistic. Um, but let's say let's say the worst happens. Let's say they lose to LSU, and let's say they lose to Clemson. The other ten games are all highly winnable. So even if they do drop those two mega games and they're 10 and two, that still puts them in the ACC title game. So part of it just has to do with the fan base rationale. The other thing is LSU's schedule. They have a trip to Ole Miss. We like what they're doing. They have a trip to a little town called Tuscaloosa. I think you've heard of it. They play some decent football there. <laughs> yeah. Well, of they course, have, LSU, LSU put it on almost last yeah. year. Yeah. So. But I mean, it's still a it's still a league road game. There's LSU never also lost to Texas AM last year. Yeah. 
They have A&M again, obviously, for the division. Um, They also have, you know, they should win these games quite easily, but they traveled to Missouri, and Missouri has a really good defense. Like, yeah, what do you think? Maybe a 5% chance? But, I mean, it's still a chance. So LSU, you know, obviously if LSU loses this game, like, they'll be – panic probably again because every lsu fan assumes they're going to the playoffs but um but yeah i mean even if they win this game they still have some really tough games ahead of them so to answer that question yeah lsu's the most more likely team to let their fans down i think this is gonna be a really good game i think it's gonna gonna i think i think it's gonna be um a really good game as well uh, I will ask for a quick prediction on this one because I think this is the game that everyone does need to throw a prediction on. I'm going to take Florida State uh, winning this one, <laughs> winning and covering. I mean, Alice, who's actually two-point favorite, but give me Florida State 27-20 to 20, uh, in, in this one. I think Florida State has the combination of, you know, both these quarterbacks are veterans, have seen a lot of football. I like Jordan Travis a little bit more than I like Jaden Daniels right now at this point in their careers. I feel like Jordan Travis a little bit more of a threat with his legs. I like Florida State's wide receiver group a lot more. Um, I like LSU is going to be stronger on the defensive line, I think. But I think that if you look at uh, Florida State has playmakers at every single level of the defense. And I think there was a, still a couple holes in LSU's defense are going to be need to be fixed. I like Florida State. I like Florida State a lot. I like them too much going into the year, which is probably going to be my downfall <laughs> as it always is. Um, you, you just like have a it, soft spot for those muscle jerseys that they used to wear back in the day. Just, I you mean, a soft spot for the ACC is what if you can in, if you can inject warwick dunn 1993 <laughs> into my veins like please do it just please do it and let's go from there all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna even things up and we'll let coach be the deciding factor because i'm taking lsu and i'm taking lsu for a very media uh driven narrative lsu choked this game away yesterday or last year all those returning players are upset about it all the returning coaches Brian Kelly's all upset about blowing it a year ago. So they're going to come out on fire and take care of business this time. Coach, take us home. Decide on the game. One to one. Okay. So it's one to one. (laughs) All right. So I've been a floor. I, before I enrolled at the university of Georgia in August of 2002, I always liked Georgia, but I always considered myself a Florida state fan. Uh, Warwick Dunn, Charlie Ward, Peter Warwick. Th- those were Warwick. Uh, those were main reasons why uh, my dad played there. Uh, that was the reason why I started. The reason why I continued was Warwick Dunn and Peter Warwick. So I, I really, really was a Florida State fan. And then you went that to Tallahassee said, and said, hell no. <laughs> well, I was in high school and I went to Tallahassee. I thought it was, I thought Doe Campbell was cool, but. Um, I, I just think that, Matt, you said the, the only advantage that LSU has is on the defensive line. That might be the only advantage they need. I mean, if they're <laughs> if they're constantly hitting Jordan Travis, if they're constantly in his face, which they certainly have the capability of doing that, uh, your, your cousin, Harold Perkins, um, <laughs> is definitely going to be roaming back there uh, at linebacker. 
And I, I just think that up front, I think they're going to be a little too much. And then the only reason they choked that game away last year was special teams. Their special teams was truly special. And uh, <laughs> I, I think they're going to get that fixed. And I'm not saying they're going to run away with it, but I think I think they're definitely going to win and cover. So I'm All taking right, LSU. I, I like my Florida State pick even more now. All right, let's <laughs> final. Finally, then Monday uh, we've got Clemson and Duke. Uh, and I, I picked Florida for tonight on SEC After Dark, so that that was looking real, <laughs> real nice. We are in Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, the Dukies are coming off one of their best seasons in a long time. Clemson uh, is trying to get back on the horse after a couple quasi down years with DJ Uyagalale at quarterback. <laughs> now they've got Cade Klubnik, uh, the former five star who is supposed to be the next, uh, you know, the next guy for the Tigers. But you know what? Riley Leonard for Duke last year had a heck of a season. And I've already seen him mm-hmm. as a potential uh, listed by some draft gurus as a potential first rounder for next spring. Just like Danny dimes, just like Danny dimes. So coach, yeah. More Let's athletic. talk about this game. Quarterback we'll you down with, there at Duke. With those quarterbacks, <laughs> which one would you rather have? Riley Leonard or wow. Kate Klubnick? I'm going Riley Leonard, man. I'm watching some – I actually uh, – when you asked me this question, I, I watched some uh, some highlights of Riley Leonard. got those dialed up a little bit to kind of figure out exactly what I was getting into. And I'm like, good Lord, man. This guy's got – not only he's got some moxie, but the guy's an athlete, man. He's – He's good in the run game. He can scramble. He has a he has a nice nice arm throwing the ball. He has great command of everything. I mean, he just looks like and carries himself like a like a potential first round quarterback. I think he's going to have a special year. Now, whether or not the rest of the Duke team is going to that <laughs> remains to be seen. But you know, I, I think I think he's certainly a tremendous leader. Uh, and and Josh, you you brought up the name Danny Dimes like he could be the next version of Danny Dimes hope maybe and for his sake hopefully not taking so long to develop in the NFL but um and, and don't get me wrong Kate Klubnik is is a very very nice quarterback and he does a really a lot of really good things and I was clamoring for him to be the starter about I don't know the beginning of last season <laughs> and I thought he came up a little small and disappointed me in the Orange Bowl so that plus what Riley Leonard brings to the table, I'm I'm going Riley Leonard, uh, and I think Duke has a tremendous shot at winning this game. But I will say this: Clemson has new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, which yep. we know the Riley family is not much for defense, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't think uh, Garrett Riley's not the head coach, and he doesn't have to worry about the defense. He just has to worry about scoring points. And that family, they like scoring points. They don't like stopping anybody, but they like scoring points. So. Um, for that reason, I think Clemson will be uh, much improved, at least on that side of the ball. Defensively, I'm not real sure what they have. They've they've been kind of in a downward spiral defensively since they lost Brent Venables. So who knows, man? Um, I I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of like what Duke's doing. I kind of like what Mike Elko has going on over there in Durham. So I might be inclined to say say Duke might come out of this one victorious, man. Quick question. Yeah, I, I, I was, hold on. Quick interjection before we get to you, Josh. Coach, you mentioned the Riley yeah. brothers. Who wins in a tag team matchup, the Rileys or the Helton brothers of Clay and Tyson? Oh, the Helton brothers. Okay, 
Freaking crazy. To know. <laughs> They're <Josh>. crazy, man. <laughs> especially, especially Tyson. Tyson is scrappy, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say, I, I'm with Coach. Like, And again, I'm taking the Polini brothers this, over everybody. They're freaking nuts. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm kind of with Coach. Like, you know, this Clemson team, top 10, league title aspirations, playoff aspirations if things go the right way. So they have a lot more to play for. They They pretty much have to go undefeated to make that happen. Duke, they're a basketball school. It's fun when their football team's good. They're kind of playing well, with house got money. They million dollar upgrade, so they're starting to, yeah. they're starting to take the ball a little more seriously. Yeah. But they're kind of playing with house money and like, you know, you mentioned a new <laughs> offensive coordinator, new um, you know, defensive coordinator was replaced last year when Brian Venables left. And it's like recently Dabo Sweeney's been complaining about the walk that you have to do at Wallace Woods. It's like, where's their head at right now? And it just seems like when you're a team breaking in some new pieces, like for instance, a new coordinator, we've seen it throughout the games last weekend and already tonight. The first game out can be really clunky. Like it wouldn't surprise any of us for Clemson to come out and look a little clunky. And it, you know, we say it with Ohio state, we say it with these other teams, if you're going to pull off an upset, you're more likely to do it week one or two than by the end of the season. So if Duke's going to pull off an upset, it sets up nicely. Now, I, I don't know if they will, we could be talking and laughing about how Clemson beat them by 50, but it just seems like, seems like, Clemson's head's not where you would kind of want it to be right now. That's a really interesting observation, Josh. That like you're starting to see Dabo's weirdness coming out. Like he held it in for so long. Now you're kind of just starting to see like just how much Brent Venables kind of balanced him out a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's I don't know. Like it, it's getting things are strange over there. The, the vibe around Clemson's program is just weird right now. Now, with saying all of that, Clemson still could finish with one of the best defenses in the nation. Oh, just for sure. that linebacker group alone, <clears throat> for sure. And <clears throat> those yeah. those guys between Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I mean, they could just swallow up huh? anyone who comes. That's why in. it's weird because the, the potential's there, but like. We just don't know if they're going to reach it. We don't know if they're going to reach it. And also, like, I don't know what's happened. Like, I feel like they, they're they just complete question marks at receiver. Like, complete, there's so many question marks at receiver. And I, I still don't understand why the offensive line play has gotten so much worse there in the last three years. That th- Those are sort of, like, the, the two things that are sort of still question marks for me that I want to see coming out of this game. But speaking of questions that we want to see answered, that is segment three here for us today. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here uh, today, but I want to ask each of you, what is one question that you want to see answered this weekend? Now, does it doesn't have to be or probably shouldn't be with any of the games we've talked about already. I will go first. This is where we can also all be homers if we want to. Uh, for me, what does the air raid look like in Madison? What you know what happens when there are no fullbacks 
what happens when you know Bernie uh, walks around lost when uh when <laughs> they come out and start the game with uh in 10 personnel coach you know i i don't know what cool. the fans are going to do i'm curious That's to see weird. how long it takes to be, get everyone on the same page at game speed because it's not like you're just in you know a, a you know a new corner with some new scheme this is going from you know seven seven blocks of granite up to hyperspace right this is a complete uh transition you know schematically personnel wise so much and for me i'm curious to see what takes shape here it's not obviously as crazy as the changes that are happening at colorado but it's a lot of new pieces an entirely new scheme an entirely new sort of tempo and i'm just curious to see for the badgers what how this all plays out and if things don't go right at the beginning you know how long until wisconsin fans were oh you gotta pound the you gotta pound the ball you gotta establish the run blah blah blah, blah. you gotta lean on them i'm curious to see how long it takes to hear that so mm. josh i will throw it to you next what is one question that you want answered in week one all right i'm not going with iowa because the, the question is just like will Cade play because you know, he's kind of day-to-day questionable. He's been practicing. I think even if they do rest him, Iowa's talent edge against Utah State will will still let them win. Uh, so there were two games I was really, really, really intrigued with. One was South Alabama at Tulane. We think the world of Tulane. We think South Alabama is going to be a major factor in the fun belt. That's just going to be a straight-up fun game. So I'm going with one place that I don't think any of you thought. I was preparing – the week one preview over at my website, com. You just ruined my my uh my shout out for my website. Sorry, Josh. What's that website that you were that, that you were Big, talking about? Bigtedandcounting.com. Uh so I was pra- you know, prepping the uh the week one preview and Illinois, they have a tough one. They are nine and a half point favorites at home, but they are taking on Toledo, the Rockets. The MAC favorites, the defending MAC champions, 16 starters back, including the best quarterback in the MAC. Illinois lost a ton of players. They were a senior laden team last year. So even though they had a nice season last year, lots and lots of new faces, including their defensive coordinator's gone. He's coaching Purdue now. So a lot of turnover for Illinois. I'm curious. We just talked about it with Clemson. Sometimes week one, you have these really clunky performances when you have a bunch of new faces. I'm curious if Toledo can take advantage and steal this game. All right. That's okay. a good one. Coach, what is your question for week one? Well, I mean, I could go on and say, you know, for Georgia, the question is this and that, and the, but they play UT Martin. So <laughs> my question is, who's the first quarterback in? Um, can, can we get healthy enough? Uh, for South Carolina week three. That's that, like, that's the question. Just get healthy because some people are beat up. Uh, get healthy for South Carolina. Um, my, my question lies in the big 10 um, and seeing who is going to come out of that other division. Like what is Ohio state going to look like with Kyle McCord at quarterback? What is Penn state going to look like against West Virginia? Do they come out hot and absolutely destroy West Virginia or do they yeah. struggle? That <laughs> no. that will that will. Go, I mean, I I'm going with the former on that one, but 
Um, th- I mean, there's a chance. Like, crazy stuff happens in week one. Um, but uh, another question I have involves a game that is currently being played right now. But um, <laughs> does yeah, the, I mean, the, the, is, coach? Is that bad. question? Why did I? Why did I pick Florida? Is that question, <laughs> why, why did I did pick I, Florida again? That, yeah, that's that, why, that question. Why it's twenty four to three, and Florida just Florida looks hopeless. Like they cannot block Utah whatsoever. Like it's going from bad to worse for them right now. Um, does Graham Mertz become is Graham Mertz quarterback one next week? I, I didn't think he was going to make it to well, the Georgia they, they, game. They don't have anyone. He else may not make chart. it to week two. <laughs> he well, he he might I, not I don't have the body too because they keep getting injured. <laughs> I because they, they I don't they know. Have I mean, they could they could prop up Jack Miller weekend at Bernie style right now. He'd probably be a little bit better. I mean, this is this is ugly. Like, I, I, how? Like, I, I just I don't know, man. Like, I, I thought originally that Billy Napier was going to get a, a chance um, because of the recruiting class he was bringing in. Like, he could he had some leeway. But I mean, if this if every game runs like this and it's a disaster season, he's not going to be around to enjoy that class. No. That's my question. No. Can Florida no. get their, you know what, together, their blank, blankety blank together <laughs> to have a somewhat decent season? And they can't get ETN going. They can't protect Mertz. They apparently they can't defend Utah's QB2 and QB3. Um, they just don't have a whole lot of answers. And Utah, I mean, Utah's capitalized on some things, but like, Outside of three big plays, I mean, Utah hasn't looked like world beaters by any stretch. Yeah, but they um, also haven't played really well. Yeah, I mean, they're really they're playing really well up front. Um, but even even with that, they they really have only they they hit the big play on the first offensive play from scrimmage. They hit a big run from from the from the other quarterback, and then they got an interception in a short field. Florida can't get out of their own way. I mean, hats off to Utah. They capitalize on it, giving Utah all the credit in the world because they're capitalizing on it. But, you know, this game should not be 24-3. I'm just going to go out and say that. All right. Well, I will say I have one more question that I want to see answered over the weekend, and that is I've been doing a bunch of depth chart perusals and stuff this week, and my favorite thing that I have (laughs) seen this week, Stanford's entire offensive depth chart and every single skill position no but at stanford there is they are listed as or for it's either qb1 or qb2 or qb3 rb1 or rb2 wr1 or wr2 there's ors at every single skill position Um, ucla is almost the same way but so but i'm curious at ucla three legitimate options at quarterback between Ethan Garbers, uh, between Colin Schley, the Kent state transfer, Kent state could use him tonight and Dante Moore, the five-star true freshman who ends up looking best and becomes the heir apparent to DTR. So that, I guess is my last question for the weekend. How does UCLA shake out in that quarterback competition? So uh, Josh, any final words? Yeah, I have one Proposal to you, gentlemen, and our, all of our listeners. I I thought of something incredibly fun uh, a few days ago that I am committing myself to for this season. So, I I <laughs> well, maybe that. But um, 
you know, I, I'm a little little handy in the kitchen. You know, I'm not not afraid to not afraid to make some good stuff. Uh, but I found myself, you know, during football season, you know, sticking with kind of like the basics, like I'll make some amazing nachos one week, or you know, fire up the grill, do some burgers or whatever. And I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna honor Iowa's opponent. The way the Iowa marching band plays the other school's fight song, I'm going to honor the opponent. So I have a meal plan that has to do with each opponent. So this week we're playing Utah State, southwest corner of the country. Uh, I did some Googling for best restaurants in Logan, Utah, and uh, they have have an incredibly well-regarded restaurant called Los Primos that uh, specializes mm-hmm. in El Salvadorian food, uh, making what's called a uh, pupusa, or excuse me, pupusa. Oh, I love pupusa. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fried corn cake, and then you fill it with a bunch of cheese and beans, and like it looks phenomenal. So uh, I'm, I found some recipes. I'm going to make that. So I think you guys can easily join along with this so matt the badgers have buffalo this week you fire up buffalo wings you get going coach i had a harder time with ut martin it's barbecue so i go so i googled i googled best restaurants in martin and and i got a got a curveball for you one of the best regarded italian restaurants in martin it's called the blue oak oyster bar and grill been open like a million years there the blue, the they blue, have on their the menu yeah, they have on their menu it's one of their claim to fame the classic po' boy so weirdly oh. honoring weirdly honoring martin tennessee with a po' boy but i mean you can't go wrong with a po' boy so it seemed like a fair way to to honor them so uh take a look at your schedules listeners and uh and go crazy with some culinary ideas josh is like i'm gonna honor so i'm gonna honor uh Utah and Southern Utah by uh, uh, polygamy. <laughs> oh, My sister wives. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. All right. Well, joke. that is uh, where we are going to wrap it up then here today with uh, the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. We hope all of you out there have an absolutely spectacular week one I know we all will as well. So until next time, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, BigTenAndCounting.com, up there in Chicago, Illinois, that's Josh Cook. I am Matt Perkins here in Nashville, Tennessee, saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.